Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to this episode of Believe in Grizzlies. Today I have young Harriet and Eric Adamchek. How y'all doing tonight? I'm feeling good. I can't complain. What about you, Adam? Who's Adam? I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, Eric. Yeah. Yeah. You're not saying anything that hasn't been said 10,000 times before. Everybody so call good. you Adam. Because, like, look. I'm, look, I'm seeing Adam check. And I'm like, why am I calling? I'm just like, how about you? Well, hey. Yeah. Look. Look, as long as I'm not calling you anything else bad. Yeah. What That's about true, you, Eric? Yeah. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing, I'm doing all right. You're doing all right. Yeah. Okay, so the injury report came out. The good news is Luke Kennard will be back. But Derek Rose is out, listed as knee soreness. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, Eric? I guess, I guess I'll go first. Okay. Um, you know what? I'm not too I'm not too concerned about it. I just think it'll uh make uh Desmond Bain more available to do more ball handling. But you know, the best part about it is Luke is back. Right. And I've said this since the beginning of the season in regards to Derrick Rose. I wanna treat him just like the school fire alarm. Break in case of emergency. Like, let, let that man, let that man be 34 35 years old in peace and don't put all them miles on his body because when this team does make the playoffs when they make the playoffs they're gonna need one or two games out of him uh and i believe he'll be able to do it but you can't wear him down this soon what about you eric how you feeling about the luke in Derrick Rose news. Yeah, I tend to agree with what Allison said. I, I think that uh, it's good to let him rest, especially against a team like Utah. And I think that the big thing right now for the Grizzlies is doing everything by committee. I think that's the most important part because, and, and I think this is kind of a snapshot of a problem that we've had for a long time, but is exaggerated with everyone out, that this team has gotten used to John Moran or Tyus Jones making all these amazing plays or buckets right. and Steven Adams just rebounding everything that um, they kind of, they've kind of just depended on that to happen. And the reality is that you can't do that and win a title. So with Derek Rose being out, I think it's another chance to get to test the Grizzlies. And I think that um, I, I just hope that Derek Rose doesn't have anything serious affecting him, but we have, no evidence that it is. He's looked fine this whole time, and uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not really worried. I'm not really encouraged by it either. Um, but to have Luke Kennard back, I know he, he wants to be more of a playmaker as well. And um, ever since he got there, I've been excited for more ball handling from him. Since he obviously knows how to how to take care of the ball in his hands when shooting it, at least. And so I'm, I'm glad to see him get a chance to step up in addition to coming back. And it'll just make them bigger and have someone who's less prone to injury. 
And uh, I'm going to piggyback on what you said, Eric, um, about the rebound. The rebounding hasn't been too bad. Only like the first games against the Pelicans, but the other three games, it's been pretty good. I mean, it's been better because you had um, multiple people doing the rebounding. Um, multiple people had like eight or nine, and even Jaron had, uh, I think nine and eight or something. Nine and nine. I don't remember, um, but I know that his rebounding numbers has gone up and then like some of the other players Zaire uh and X had 12 one night but the rebounding has been better that hasn't really been an issue because I think some of the games they had you know a, a lot of offensive rebounds it's just the turnovers and the shooting has been a problem and then executing down the stretch they have the fight in them but executing down the stretch has been an issue and then like I've been saying they're so used to having Ja Atias to write the ship. And it's just like having to learn Derrick Rose and learn um, Marcus Smart. It's going to take time. And that's what they've been preaching. It's going to take time. But I know that fans are basically jumping out the ship into the water <laughs> and, you know, want instant gratification. Like we're the worst team in the league. They need to trade people, this, then, the other. But the signs are there that they are progressing. It's not progressing to wins, but they are progressing. And I believe everything is going to work out. They just have to win. And I think these three games are going to be a test for them. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that, young Harry? You know, I'm, I'm, uh, as I looked at the game yesterday, I rewatched the game. And I'm with this team to the wheels uh, follow. Uh, we are hurting right now solely due to injury. I'm not even talking about the addition of Job Morant. Mm -hmm. if, if you take a look at what happened last night, there are some encouraging signs, especially when you think about what the fans and what people in the NBA wanted to see from Jared specifically him playing the center position. Now that four, which is X right now, and X has shot about 15 threes this season at a clip of 26.7%. Now imagine if you take X out of that position and you allow Santi, for example, to play that role that X is playing beside Jeremy, along with Santi's playmaking ability he also adds an extra element of shot making that is currently not there right now so after me reevaluating what i was seeing on the floor they're going to be just fine and that's just one element of this team that's missing that's going to be drastically improved as they get injured players back let alone john Morant. You can go ahead, Eric. Show me share yeah. your thoughts. Yeah, of course. That's why I'm I'm and to to that point, I don't think anyone said anything that anyone else would disagree with. And I and I love that for us. Um I think the addition of Bismack Biombo will help because I mean people are right to say that he's not gonna cure everything in the same way that John Morant will cure everything. I think 
you could have prime LeBron James on this team. He wouldn't cure everything, but Bismack coming back, it's kind of, that's the, the defensive scheme I kind of thought of when we first traded for Smart, which was this kind of empowers the three starters who are mainly defensive oriented to do their thing. It empowers uh, Steven Adams to get the rebound and guard bigs in the paint. It mm-hmm. empowers Marcus Smart to not have to guard those big guys like he was in, in Boston. And then it empowers Jaron to roam. And I think uh, the Grizzlies defense is at its best when it allows those three to do that job. And so we've seen what Jaron's been able to do as a center, and he's not as bad of a traditional center as some people might have thought. And um, I- I'll tell you this, if you're going off the FIBA team from this summer, I'm buying Jaron stock and I'm selling Austin Reeves stock. because. <laughs> It's, the tables really have turned, even though they both turned in a bad performance. One of them has kind of carried that bad performance over into the season, and the other one stepped up and played well. But uh, yeah, and and there's all this debate about whether Jaron should be a center or a power forward. And you know, I I always think he we we'd like to be in the Tim Duncan model where he can theoretically play either, but mm-hmm. you let him be the biggest mismatch he can possibly be. And I think that's that's a big part of it. And Bismack will help with that in terms of being able to rebound to where Jaron isn't worried about just camping out in the paint to where he can switch on to guys like Steph Curry as well as bigs like Joel Embiid when he needs to. And I'm just looking forward to having some version of that back. Um, that will have to include Tillman you know, being in the paint just a little bit more for sure because um, I'm not pro him becoming a three-point shooter I would like to see him do some of the catch and shoot, but just not of the, not at the expense of the paint points that he can get. And um, let's talk about last night. You know, they lost to Dallas. Man, Luca, he had the whole buffet, y'all. He cooked <laughs> everybody. I mean, everybody. He was in that zone. I was like, that damn Luca. That's all I was saying, that damn Luca. That damn Luca. I mean, man, in that second quarter, oh, man. Bro, dude is good. He's he's really good. Man, he's just I don't know. I don't, I don't think that Luca liked the Grizzlies too much, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. But man, Luca did an awesome job. But my thing was, um, Marcus Smart did his thing. I think that was his best game as a Grizzly. He got everybody involved. That was really good. And you know, he was shooting them threes. But the thing about it is the bench. Oh, my God. (laughs) Tim Hardaway Jr. scored 21 points. The Grizzlies bench scored 13. Nine by David Wright. They need something in Luke back. They really do. And then, I mean, man. And the, the Grizzlies bench was one of the, you know, the best things. Because you know what? In that game against Washington, it was the bench who brought them back. Because the starters, I don't know what they was thinking. It was the second night of a back-to-back. I don't even want to count that game or whatever. Because Washington, they not going to do what they did all the time. But the bench. But, you know, Marcus Smart said something last night in the presser. He was saying that those guys are in roles that they really wouldn't prepare for the people on the bench. Had not been for an injury because if Luke Kennard hadn't went out, 
uh, Salty and Dama hadn't been heard. Um, Stephen Adams, we would not be seeing Jake LaRavia. I don't want to just try to uh, pounce on Jake LaRavia, but I'm just trying to figure out what he does good. I, I don't know. I don't want to pounce on him or whatever because, like I was saying, um, I could have saw Vince Williams Jr., Jake Gilliard. I mean, Jacob Gilliard. I could have saw Jr. I mean, anybody other than Jake LaRaymond. And I'm glad that Jenkins came to his senses and not put him back in in the second half. And hopefully with Luke back, we won't have to see Jake. We can see Jake cheering on the bench. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm just sorry. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't anymore. I was going to say this. It, in the larger scheme of things, last night, Jake LaRavia played five minutes and 38 seconds. Anybody, Ooh. anybody, if you watching the Memphis Grizzlies, if you've been watching the Memphis Grizzlies since Jake LaRavia has been drafted, you can tell that he, for whatever reason, he is not ready. You right. know, he, he could be slow. He could be slow. He could be a combination of both. You know, it is what it is. But they don't have the requisite pieces right now to be an effective bitch. Right. When you when you don't have the best three-point shooter by percentage last year in the NBA coming off your bench, it's going to be a problem, and you have to rely – on a Jake Arabia. You have to rely on an inconsistent David Roddy. You have to rely on, you know, staggering the minutes of Derrick Rose and Marcus Smart just so you can have a reliable ball handler out there. You you're going you're going to struggle as a bench. That I don't, you know, it's going to improve with the addition of these players who are hurt. Because pe people are forgetting how much of a leap Santi has taken. People right. are forgetting how, how much room Luke Kennard provides for the offense to move mm -hmm. when he's out there because he is a certified shooter, you know. And with the improvement from Taylor Jenkins and staggering his starters to play with the bench, the only thing you can hope that it does get better and it does improve. I don't want to see, I personally don't want to see a five-man lineup of all bench players because due to the lack of depth, quality depth, we just don't have it like that this year. And I hope that the coaching staff can identify that. So Eric, what what are you what are your thoughts on people who are saying, well, they should never have got rid of DeAnthony Milton. They should never have uh, let um what the what the I, I can't my, you know I'm having a senior senior moment. Uh, Kyle Anderson should never let Kyle Anderson sign with Minnesota. This, that, yeah. and the other, or whatever they you know built on you know like they was looking at the youth or whatever. But I think the Grizzlies time for them to. Admit that they made a mistake in drafting Jake LaRavia. I'm sorry. I'm on that hill, and I'm going to stay on that hill for a minute. What are your mm. thoughts, Eric? Yeah, I wouldn't say that Jake and Junior are bad players or they're hopeless or whatever. Mm -hmm. Some people are really saying they're trash, and I, you know, it, it's... I don't think Junior is trash. I, I, no. I don't think so. No. It's the it's Charles Barkley saying everybody in the NBA can play. Mm -hmm. Um 
even though there are some interesting comparisons to be drawn between early Charles Barkley and, and Kenneth Lofton Jr. Mm-hmm. In terms of, because uh, the way I try to thread that needle too is because, you know, I'm not big on body shaming or anything like that. But since mm-hmm. I come from a family of musicians, it's like, this is the equivalent. If you're not working out, it's the athlete's equivalent of not, of not practicing your instrument. Because mm-hmm. if you, if you come into a, a group or a symphony orchestra you know, London Symphony Orchestra, New York Symphony Orchestra, LA Philharmonic, they are not letting people who don't practice come in. You are not, you're not going to be like the sixth chair, let alone the first chair. Um, it doesn't matter how talented you are. So that's kind of what I'm seeing with with um, with Junior. I think he's got some promise, but it does feel like they just need more playing time that we can't provide right now. And um, I would say to the point of um, Kyle and DeAnthony, that um, I get why they were traded, and I don't necessarily think it was a mistake trading them for youth and the youth that we got. I'll give you, but uh, Kyle wasn't traded. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we let him go because he was going to be uh, too expensive. Yeah, he and, signed. You know, signed on his own. He was a free agent. Yeah. So, and we'll see if he stays there and can get along with Rudy Gobert. But that's. But I digress. Um, yeah, the letting the veterans go definitely hurt us short term, but I see what the logic was in terms of, you know, those two have been okay-ish in the playoffs, and much like uh, LaRavia move, I think they would both be admissions, not necessarily a failure, but to just say that, hey, we might need someone who can deliver in the playoffs a bit more, and Marcus Smart has shown that he can do that to some degree, no matter what Boston fans are saying to to get over him leaving. I think Boston, I think Marcus Smart has proven that he can at least make some great plays in the playoffs. And so that's, it's, it's just hard to really be a playoff contender when you've got this much young talent that isn't Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr. And John Moran. So uh, Harry, what are your thoughts on the, the Anthony Melson and the Kyle Anderson people saying, well, well, we shouldn't have let them go. What are your thoughts on that? Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Uh, <clears throat> D'Anthony Melton, you know, I know he has a lot of fans in the fan base. It's cool. He can, they can slap hands. They can slap hands while he playing for the Philadelphia 76ers. In, in this offense, if you do not have the ability to play beside John Morant when he is penetrating and kick out to, to you to make open shots, you got to go. Same thing for um, Kyle Anderson. Yes, he has the defensive acumen um, to play beside Jaron. But, again, the reason why they let him go, partly along with the salary uh, considerations, was the fact that he couldn't make open shots. I I love uh, slow-mo. I highly love slow-mo. Love, love D-Mill. He has nice hair. I holler at you, D-Mill. Really, that's what we doing because we caught up in the emotions of our 0-4 start. I'm I'm good over here. We still fine yeah. with them to move. Me. Right. Just like uh, Bang said last night, he was like, we have lost multiple games in a row. We have, lo- we have done that. But you know what? It wasn't at the beginning of the season, but we bounced back. Like he said, they could. They're not gonna win every game. Other game, every uh, game. You know, he said we could go seventy, eighty-four. 
you know, he said it jokingly, but hey, they can put on a winning streak. Like, say, for instance, they win these three, three uh, role games. You, you know, it's just like it, it will cover a multitude of everything what people are talking about. But they just have to ex they have to execute. But like I said, it's go and like they keep saying, it's going to take time. But they do need to work on their three point defense because they giving up too many threes. No way that um, the Mavericks should have shot twenty three threes. But I know it has to do with personnel and who's on the floor. And I know they can't guard everything. Because like they was going at Luca, they was putting stuff on him or whatever. But Luca was just too good. But I'm talking about the others. Derrick Jones Jr. went off shooting threes. I'm like, what, bro? Exactly. That's that's the issue. I didn't even like Taylor Jenkins' answer after in the after game presser. He was pissed. Like, he he was pissed. You can tell when he when he's short on his answers. You know. You know, from him being here, when he's short on them answers, he's pissed. Yeah, he might he might be pissed off, but it is your scheme that is allowing these others to get off on the Grizzlies, right? So, so what answers do you have other than, well, this is the way the NBA is going, and we can't stop all of the threes. Really? But he Wait, did that, but he did say that he has to be better. He okay, said that. He, I, okay. He always say that. When I get caught doing something, I ain't got no business doing it work. I gotta be better too. <laughs> okay. We we all have to be better. So when are you gonna when are you going to apply that? And we can't wait until December first for the light bulb to come on for the Memphis Grizzlies three-point defense and that's been the mode of operation for the last two years for the Memphis Grizzlies the difference with this year being the Grizzlies don't have that wide of a margin for error because of all the pieces that are missing I just did I just didn't like his answer at all and I felt like it was kicking the can down the road what are your thoughts Eric yeah, so this, the perimeter defense, which, yes, has been awful, so is half-court offense, although, I mean, I'd like to see that improve, but I'd also like the Grizzlies to constantly be realizing that this is not the way we'd prefer to play, you know, because if you go back to, you know, the Celtics and Lakers in the 80s, it was like, well, guess what? When you're playing Larry Bird's tempo, Larry Bird's going to win. And so it's it, it's been interesting to see all of that, but I think – the Denver Nuggets, and they showed so much potential of what a Grizzlies championship team could look like, but mm -hmm. they didn't have anyone who's ever made the all-defensive team on there, and yet, and we had, you know, the defensive player of the year and another all-defensive player, but they had the better defense in the playoffs by far. Um, it wasn't just, we're going to offset this with offense, and that was because of hustle, because, you know, Jokic wasn't losing track of his man. He used that he used that court vision to go both ways, even though, you know, he doesn't have the blocking acumen that Jaron does. And he doesn't come up with steals like Kyle Anderson, but he was like, Oh, you want me to just keep track of my guy? Okay. I can do that. So I think it's just really simple in terms of hustle. 
And you almost get a little spoiled when you've got Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr. on your mm-hmm. team. And I don't think it's as simple as, as our young players saying, oh, I don't need to defend. I've got those two guys. But I do think it means they can pick up the slack. And right. uh, the reality is, you know, you got to help them. You got to make sure because if, for example, with Luca, it's like if he's if you can't stay in front of him and he gets the basket, then you would want Jaron coming down to try to block his shot. But the idea would be don't let Jaron run over to an open Luca because you lost your assignment or because you're, you're, you know, because some of that you just can't help with Luca and Jokic and whatnot, but you can definitely try. And, and this some is what of that I'm... switches, oh, God. Oh, God, why? I don't, I don't get the obsession with switching in the modern NBA. That's, that's, I'm not a big Celtics fan because I think they confuse role-less basketball with positionless basketball, where they're all the shooter, they're all the ball handler, they're all the the defender and stuff like that. And then it results in some weird switches that are just like, no, you don't need Marcus Smart guarding Embiid every possession. And so I, I would like that to not happen with the Grizzlies too, because I feel like what happens with our defense is matching up really well and making sure we don't lose our guy. Right. But I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. So let's get to, um, what do y'all think about Bismack Biombo? About me and Harry, we talked about that. Um, Eric, what are your thoughts? I'm excited for what he does. Um, I have no illusions about him that he's going to be a Stephen Adams or even a Brandon Clark. But just to be a defensive presence, just to be a, a man in the middle and to be able to grab some rebounds and stuff like that, I was honestly, I'm not trying to hype him up. I was a little bit surprised that he was still available um, a couple weeks ago because uh, I I kind of, and wondered if we would sign him in, in lieu of Clark because he really played well for the Phoenix Suns the last two years. And it was honestly surprising that with their lack of interior depth, they let him go because he's a good role player who knows his role. And after Dylan Brooks, that's kind of nice to have someone who, who knows what he needs to do and what he doesn't need to do. So I'm excited about it. Um, I also am a big fan of boring signs of boring free agency, like how the media is designed to obsess over, for example, Harden to the Clippers. And then I'm just more excited about the boring stuff like Luke Kennard to the Grizzlies and uh, Bismack Biombo to the Grizzlies. So I think he's just good in terms of culture and knowing what to do on the court. And, okay, and my thing, you know, get about three-point shooting them, letting the folks shoot threes, all this and that. My thing, last night, they missed entirely too many shots at the rim. Too many. And it messed up the momentum when they was coming back. Too many shots at the rim. That's unacceptable. I mean, too many. I just I just can't get over the fact you right there at the rim, how you missed the shot, and then they come with the re- they come and get the rebound. That was just when, ugh. when you when you are too small and you you don't have a lot of reach. That's often what what happens. I would say this: another benefit of having Bismack Biombo may turn out to be that he clears the lane some for some of these layups that are being missed right now. It that's one of the geniuses of Stephen Adams' game to me. His right. ability 
clear space and make room for players like a David Roddy, even Jared to a certain extent, to a certain extent. And also Desmond Bain, it, it takes a lot to run in the manner that which Desmond Bain runs off the ball and still have to have the ability to finish, especially in crunch time. So I think the addition of Biz McBeombo, he's not supposed to be at Evan Mobley or Joel Embiid. Him understanding his role and playing up to that to the best of his ability is the best thing that I think he can do for the for the Grizzlies at this point. You can go ahead now, Eric. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That in terms of him being a role player, and you know, I've I've had friends from from different fan bases who said oh, you can't win a title with Steven Adams as your starting center. It just can't happen because he's too slow. And then it was very funny to see Jokic go on that run this year and, and think, wow, we really can't win a title with a you know seven-footer who's tough and can handle the ball and rebound and set screens and then pass? Do tell, please. Um, right. So that was the, the, that's to that point, I really, I really love the playmaking. That's another reason I didn't mind letting go of Kyle Anderson because – at the time, and maybe still now with a healthy roster, you got plenty of playmaking um, to me. And, uh, but the, the, yeah, that was the frustrating part about seeing um, last night, especially, is that it's almost like the Grizzlies are afraid to do John Morant things when he's not there mm-hmm. and, when they're, and when they're not showing off to impress him. Because, you know, I've, I've seen, we've seen them attempt all these great dunks and make all these great dunks that make Ja just so happy. And then you never see any of that of them trying to impress each other or, or say, watch this. And um, cause I think that, so all that to say that last night, it was kind of surprising to see, for example, David Roddy and Xavier Tillman who are, you know, reasonably tall, not dunk something or try to dunk it. Cause I think the blown layups are one thing, but if it had been a dunk attempt, then it would have looked a little bit better because mm-hmm. at the very least you're trying to get that guaranteed high percentage shot. And so that's, that's why that was a little um, painful to watch because it looked like it was going to go in and you're not trying to get all the way to the rim. And so, yeah, like I said, um, doing it by committee and being an actual team, I think is going to help a lot, but they got to get in that mindset without Ja there and without Steven Adams there. What's painful to watch is you have some of them at the rim, then they kick it out to somebody else and they miss the three. That's what I don't like. You they right there at the rim. Try try a shot. Don't kick it out to someone else for them to miss the three. That they shouldn't do that. And I, I don't understand why NBA players do that. You right there, you can get you a layup, at least try or whatever, but you kicking out for somebody to shoot a three, they clank it, and then like you know, the other team get the possession and score and you go down by much. I'm just, I don't, I don't like that. And that was the secret sauce to the Warriors for all those years was like, yeah, they had some of the best shooters to ever play the game, but they weren't shy about getting a basket. If they saw the lanes were open, they were like, no, screw this. I'm taking a layup. When like, they right by the basket. Yeah. It's like, it, Steph Curry I'm just will like, do oh that. my God. Steph Curry, Steph Curry does not dunk, but he will still take the high percentage shot. He's like, Look, I know I'm going to shoot 40% plus from three. Can I also get the high percentage looks? So it's like, if the best shooters to ever do it are playing that way, why can't you? And what I was impressed about last night was Desmond, Desmond Bain. 
hey, he he had his best John Morant impression when he was going to the rim and getting those acro acrobatic shots. I'm like, dang, how he get that? But I love that part. That's part of his game now. I just, I really loved it. And then it seemed to me, it seemed like he played better last night when he was off the ball, where they let, you know, Smart really handle the offense last night when he was out there. But Desmond was off the ball, and I liked it. Because I, I, I just don't think he should be on ball. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I, it just don't look right to me. But I know some people like it. It don't. It just seemed like he plays better when he don't have to run the offense, and I think that will help out when Luke's come back as well. Because I think that Luke is a better ball handler than Dez. What should I think about that? He absolutely is because of the fact that he has a longer reach, mm -hmm. and that's simple as that. And then too, you want players to play to their strengths. Let Dez run around. Let him be a secondary creator when he's coming off them pin downs. That's how Jaron was able to get that alley-oop dunk when it was 73 to 77. Mm -hmm. Desmond Bain hit his man with a back screen. And boom, Marcus Smart threw the alley-oop over the top. Jared and also one of the complaints about this about this offense is that it's very it could it could be very one dimensional at times. Mm -hmm. Desmond also could have popped out to the three point line for uncontested three, and I think that's I think that's progress, and that's all you can ask for. Right. What 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 are your thoughts, Eric, about what I said? Yeah, we've uh, the Grizzlies have been a drive and kick team for a long time. Whether they've had the shooters or not, that's just been who they are. And and it's either drive and kick or screen for jaw is what it seems like a lot of the time. And uh, so some of it might just have to be you might have to take more mid range shots because those just aren't guarded anymore. And and um, there's that demand now. But uh, yeah, the um, the lack of uh, the shooting I think will get better. I think for all the shot quality stuff, that's been, you know, we, we can dismiss the shot quality stuff and, you know, we're, you're not wrong to say, to say that. However, what it does tell you is that the Grizzlies are trying to get high percentage shots and they just have to practice them enough to where they hit them. And uh, that sounds simple. And of course it's not, but I think that, uh, that as long as you keep working for those high percentage shots, that's going to help. Now, this is where the Grizzlies are pretty ahead of schedule to me is, you know, you do not have guys who are 23, 24, 25 taking the great shots or hunting for those great shots in the same way. And you didn't have them when, when the big three were 22. So what I would, what I would say about that as well is um, if you're not hunting for the best shot and whether that's a three, whether that's a long two, whether that's at the rim and you're losing side of your man, then you may just not have to play with us because that's that was kind of the secret sauce to the Spurs dynasty was not everyone can play for the Spurs, but if you do want to put in the work to play for the Spurs, if you do want to grind, if you want to guard everybody, and Miami does this now, then of course there's space for you. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a culture thing that I want to empower young players, but if they're not willing to do what needs to be done, then you know, send them to a place where they can develop more, I guess. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about something else. 
Okay, so I was asleep last night. Um, one one or something in the morning. Hmm. James James Harden traded to the Clippers. Woo. <laughs> How y'all think they're gonna work out? Even though they they are in the West, and then like the Grizzlies have to play them. How y'all think they're gonna work out with uh James Harden, um, Paul George, Russell, Russell Westbrook, and Kawhi Leonard? How y'all think this is gonna work out? And then it's just like with James Harden, man, how in the world you gonna talk your way out of being in Houston? Talk your way about being in Brooklyn. Talk your way out of being in Philadelphia. What's going to happen when you get mad at the Clippers? I know this is a player empowerment thing, but, but bro, you put on all these things. I just, I, I, I don't get it. I do not get it at all. Now, with that said, Eric, what you think about the Arden Look. trade? Look, the easiest thing to do in the world is to get an understanding, okay? In in people around James Harden, they gotta understand. And he got them together. He said, I want out of here and get me out of here quick, fast, in a hurry. Okay. That's it and that's all. Do I think it's gonna work in LA? Who knows? You know, it's a it's a lot of factors to go into the LA team other mm -hmm. than James Harden being James Harden being acquired by the LA Clippers, you know. That's one thing, but how does that affect their depth? Right. Like, yeah, he because they be gave there. away uh, Are they, they gave away stuff. Exactly. How is it gonna affect crunch time? Who is gonna take their shot? Is are Kawhi and Paul George and Russell Westbrook gonna be healthy enough to develop a chemistry with the four of them together? Like I ain't mad at the Clippers. They're all the team. They got to do what they got to do. This, this collection of four might be the best opportunity for Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden to get a ring. So let them go for it. I'm, I'm, I'm standing on it right now. Still not scared of them. Still. Still not go scared. Ahead. <laughs> yeah. Still not scared of them is accurate. It's just yeah, because because you know, because you know who um, you pretty much know what those four are gonna do at any given moment. That's the thing. Like you can, they're good at it, but you can predict it, and they're not in their prime anymore. And but my first um, reaction to this, and I'd been thinking about this trade for a while, but when it happened, all I could think was, boy, I hope Ty Lue has some of that magic that that Phil Jackson worked with Shaq and Kobe when he was playing with the Lakers, because. That's what it's going to have to be, just managing everybody's ego and making sure everyone gets fed. And, uh, you know, James Harden led the league in assists, but I'm still not convinced that they're going to all get fed. And um, the, the funny part to me about this is every fan base just seems happy when James Harden leaves. Mm. Like the Rockets were like, so long, James Harden. And the Nets were like, okay, good riddance. And the Sixers now are going – Okay, good riddance. We'll boo you next time you come here. Don't, 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 uh, don't, don't get yourself hit in the door on the way out. And um, my best friend Ryan is a Nets fan. He loves the Grizz. We watch him together all the time. I have never seen him happier about basketball than when those big three left. When KD, Kyrie, and James Harden left, 
he was happy and I went, congratulations. You guys get to build a real franchise now. You get to not be subject to everybody's egos. And so with the Clippers, if I was a Clippers fan, I feel like I'd be, I guess I, I know the history of, of, of their franchise and kind of like with us being fans of the Grizzlies after being through grit and grind and being through those early days, um, you know, this is better than what we used to have for sure. But there's still this uneasiness to me when I think about if I were a Clippers fan of, I don't know if this will work out. So it's, it's, I, I, um, just like young Harriet, I understand. I understand why they did it. It's, it makes complete and total sense, but it's just gonna, you're just gonna have to see what happens. And the, the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, when I was thinking about Harden to the Clippers even before it happened was, this feels like more of a regular season move than a postseason move. Because to me, what the Clippers have needed for a while is someone to be able to play all those regular season games so that you don't get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard hurt. And then you go into the postseason, hopefully with them healthy. And so that would be the only way where I would say this works, though. But because... when they went, when they missed all these regular season games, the chemistry not there, the continuity not there, and it don't work well in the playoffs. So I yeah. think they need to play more, you know, early in the season to get those kicks out. That's that's true too, because I think they're trying to do what 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 Kawhi did with the Raptors, and what they think he did with the Raptors is, oh, just put Kawhi and he'll be perfect. What really happened is everyone else on that team had been playing with each other for a long time, and they trusted each other enough to go, okay, we got Kawhi, now we can do this. And I don't even know if Kawhi and Paul George have played together enough for this to work, let alone the four of them. And there's just one ball. And right. um, say what you will about the Grizzlies passing out for threes, they're a little too unselfish. And with the Clippers, you're going to have the opposite problem. Right. Okay, so the Grizzlies got three games coming up before we leave. Harriet, what's your prediction? Three and oh. Three and oh. We we coming we coming back home three and four. Eric. Two and one because the Jazz were a weird matchup last year. But um I'm not scared of dominating. You said the Jazz was a, but the Jazz is a different team. Yeah, that's why I'm saying we're playing the Jazz and the Trailblazers. So, right. So I'm so the Jazz might beat us once. Um, the Jazz might beat us, but I'm not scared of the Trailblazers. And Scoot Henderson's having a bad start, so we'll see what happens when Marcus Smart is guarding him. But if he even ends up guarding him. Look, but you know, you know these players, you know, be having a bad start. They. And stuff they come with the grizzlies, you know, they be known get started known as grizzly killer. Cause you know, yeah. Like that little one dude in uh Washington. I forgot what his name was that was busting them threes and got twenty two points in a in a quarter. Corey Kispert. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, so <laughs> hopefully this trip again, if you didn't pay attention to nothing last night, go back and listen to Desmond Baines. Post game prayers. Oh yeah, I was there. I was there. I was listening. Right, they're using these first twenty five games to learn how to play with each other, and it's not gonna be pretty, but it's gonna be effective when it matters most. So don't know about it. You know the weather's a storm. 
you know, plug. Whether it's going to bring your umbrellas, your rain boots, your ponchos, whatever you need. Because they coming back with three victories. I don't care nothing about Utah. Come on now. <laughs> and uh, there, Desmond Bain, uh, like I said, last night, I don't, I don't know if I had went to the bathroom. I don't know what. But when they had went down 14, he was on the bench, you know, talking to everybody. And that's what I love, his leadership role this year. Where he got, I mean, it's just like he got them up. Where he was like, you know, stop putting your head down, whatever. And they went back out. They had a force, they was down by 14, but they went back out and they played really hard. It's not like they are not playing hard. Some of these games they could have won, but it's just like, I feel like it's the continuity and, you know, all these different lineups, things of that nature. But I think if Taylor Jenkins, like, stagger the starters more and, you know, stagger the bench or whatever. Especially, you know, when Luke come back, I think it's going to be better. And I think they're going to execute better down the stretch. Because you shouldn't have to rely on David Roddy or John Conchar to get your basket. When you have all these other better players out here, you know, that can get them a bucket. Yeah. Well, thank you guys uh, for coming on, Eric. I have to have you again. And young Harriet. <laughs> Harry, you know what? You just my unofficial co-host right now. Harry. Harry, you ain't you not saying nothing. I don't see her in the in the call. Oh, she, she gone. Oh. She um something happened to her connection. Mm. But um, Eric, I appreciate you coming on with me. I will have to have you again. Um, yes, and I just, you know, just like, I just like to talk Grizzlies and, um, you know, maybe, look, maybe we could, uh, decipher some of these other games where well, I appreciate you. Um, yeah. you're going to come back and yeah, go Grizz. Go Grizz. I, I didn't know that she, she was gone. Yeah, I know. That's weird. That no, as soon as you said you're quiet, I was like, He's, that's weird. Right. I didn't I didn't see I had my eyes closed. But yeah, thank you for coming on. And so you think the Grizz they're gonna go two and one? Yeah. Yeah. I like to I'm, I like to play it safe, but I just remember the Jazz were a weird matchup for us a year ago. And you know, by the end of the season we saw where, where both teams really were, but at the time it was just like, Okay, I guess we can't beat them for a little while. Yeah. And then um like I was telling Harriet, um like I was telling Harriet last our last podcast um she said her wi-fi went out like i was selling air okay. to our last podcast i'd rather for the things happening with the grizzlies to happen early in the season instead of on the back half because it'll yeah. affect affect the playoff run because like last season look how the lakers started off they went to the western conference final look how sacramento kings started they ended up i think they was three in the west they ended up three in the West, and then they took um, the Golden State Warriors to the distance. So it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Mm -hmm. On that note, like I said, thank you for coming on. I got to have you back. Yes, please. Yeah. Bye-bye. Right. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.